Well, I've, uh, for those that don't know, I usually teach in series unless the Holy Spirit manifests, and sometimes He does, and I can't even go to my notes. So the notes are available on our website, victorychurchraleigh.com. Just go there. You can see them very clearly uh, where, we, where we broadcast, I think, our, our um, services, and you can get the notes there and follow along. I usually don't go uh, according to my notes, I have so much there, uh, and if you want more, more is there. Today, particularly, I encourage you to get the notes. There's some things at the end I'll mention that, that I really want as a resource that I've put on that I'd really like, uh, like for you to have, and uh, I think that'll be great. Don't forget, also, I have a blog. I, I write most days, Monday through Friday, and, uh, and it's just the Word. That's what I just teach the Word. God called me to do that. I'm going to do it, and I, I have a podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can go to our website and find that, or you can go to MitchHorton.com and find those resources as well. I've been teaching for the last number of uh, Sundays, and, and we had a few manifestations of the Holy Spirit where I didn't. Faith till the end. This is part seven. Uh, until Jesus comes back, how many know the most important commodity that you possess is your faith? How many hear what I just said? So faith is a commodity Jesus gives us. And he wants us to use it. When I think about faith, and what I'm talking about, this stuff, I've been, I've been working this out in my life for, for this is my 46th year in Jesus. And, and I can tell you, standing before Jesus with him listening to every word I'm saying, this is one subject that I've sought to master in my personal life. I so walked in the flesh, and I so walked according to the circumstances that surrounded me and my feelings that, uh, you know, I was just a mess going somewhere to get messier. And when Jesus came into my life and challenged and changed me and made me a new creature in Christ Jesus, he showed me a different way to live than it is anything I'd ever heard in my life. And I'd been in church. I had been in religion. Did you hear what I just said? For 18 years. It's religion if you hear and don't practice. But it's relationship if you hear and put it to practice in your life. So um, I, I learned about walking by faith and then when I began to incorporate the principles of walking by faith in my life, it challenged everything I think, everything I speak, every way I live, every motivation of life. It challenged everything about me. Your faith life will challenge you in every area or you're not doing it right. And I found out that if I would live by faith, God would take care of the whole of life for me. What he wanted from me is he wanted me to walk by faith, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and not by sight. He wanted me to fight the good fight of faith. That is to do everything I can to keep my focus on him. When all the negatives of life happen around me, there is a solution, and it's faith in his word. Faith in God is simply faith in what he said. And faith, faith is actually walking by faith is, is just believing that right now, that what God said about you in his word is absolutely true. And when you believe that, then the circumstances come, the circumstances go, things rise up, things happen. But you know, you can remain unflustered and unchanged because your feet are established on something that's firm and it's called his word. How many hear me? You know, you can't walk in faith and walk in worry at the same time. You can't walk in faith and walk in fear at the same time. How many hear me? You can't walk in faith and walk in sin, perpetual, constant sin at the same time. How many hear me? So we're talking about eight things you need to know about faith. And again, this is lesson seven. We started the eight things uh, a couple of 
a couple of uh, times into it. Uh, the, and this is all on the website if you haven't been here. I think I started this in May, and I'm just going to go until the Lord releases me because I got a lot to say in limited time. So number one, faith is a gift given to you by Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, the first thing he'll do when you hear about him, he'll give you some faith. And then if you'll respond to him, he'll minister life to you. And then you can increase that faith. Number two, faith can be increased by meditation and practice in the word of God. We've taken a Sunday to cover all of these things. Uh, faith doesn't come by praying. Faith comes by, by listening to God's word and feeding on it and getting it on the inside of you. Number three, faith takes the place of what, it, what cannot be seen or felt until it actually appears. So faith, I say faith is a gap stander. Faith means sure, 11, uh, Hebrews 11, 1, let's see, this is New Century Version. Faith means being sure of the things we hope for. And faith means knowing that something is real, even if you don't see it. So God's promised to uh, help you out of the circumstance you're in, and you're in the middle of it and don't see a way out. Your faith says, you know, God's making a way when it doesn't look like it's working, right? Faith is a gap stander. How many heard what I'm saying? Faith is a gap stand. It stands in the gap. It takes the place of what you don't have until God promised. And you can be as excited when you're walking by faith as you are when it actually comes in your hot little hand. Did you hear what I'm saying? So if you believe in God for healing and health and you feel sick and emaciated, your faith in God says that Jesus took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses and with his wounds you are healed and you can grab a hold of that like a dog grabs a bone and that takes the place of what you can't feel and can't see until it shows up or you're believing God like we are. I'm believing God to pay off that building project. My faith says it's mine. It belongs to me and my faith grasps it and it, and it's, it takes the place of the money that I'm believing I receive for us, the ministry, right? So it just works that way in every vein of life. Number four, faith is never future. Faith is always present tense. So future is hope. If I'm hoping for something, I'm looking in the distance for it to happen. Uh, but, but see, faith grasps hope and brings it to the now. So we've gone into great detail on these things. But last week, number five, I just can't get off of this one. I thought I'd go to the next one, but I got to talk about this again. Number five, last week, faith cannot be separated from words. Everybody say this, what I say is my faith speaking. That's true. So, so if you're saying nothing, you're believing nothing. So it's not a matter of faith just kind of floating. Well, the Lord knows my heart. Well, well he wants it to come out your mouth. So, so faith and words go hand. If there are no words, there are no faith. Uh, you really got to think about it. 2 Corinthians 4, 13, I mentioned this last week. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. See what you say. Jesus said, Matthew 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in my heart, it's going to come out. My, you can't hide what's in your heart. Huh? And if you're never talking about the Lord, he's not in there. Hmm? You, you can't keep it. I, I, I love Susan. And, and you know what comes out my mouth every day? I love you. I just love you. I told her this morning. I, I, and you know what else I say? I say, you know, you're just beautiful. And she is. Why? Why do I say that stuff? It's in my heart. That's the most beautiful woman right there in the world. I believe that. So whatever you believe, you're going to talk about. Is that true? So I talk about my wife because I believe. I believe in her. I talk about Jesus because I believe in her. How many hear me? 
So, so whatever you talk about is what's in your heart. So we talked about that fair detail last week. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe where? In your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now look, verse 10. For with the heart one believes, and with the mouth confession is made into your salvation. We can't even come into the family of God without saying something. You say, well, the Lord knows I believe. Well, he wants them to come out your mouth. That's the way it is. So we talked about that fair detail uh, last uh, week. Words are a creative power. I want to look at this a little uh, more thoroughly today. The more po most powerful force in your life is under your nose and above your chin, right there. Everybody stick your tongue out. Now look at your neighbor and stick your tongue out. You're like that, right? <laughs> what you just saw in your neighbor is the most powerful thing in their life, your tongue. That's the most powerful muscle that you have in your life is your, is, your, is your words, your tongue. How many hear me? And I want to talk about that in more detail. James chapter 3, this is New King James, and I'm reading New King James on purpose. There's some words I want to, I want to uh, look at here. James was the practical half-brother of Jesus. Really, his name was Jacob. If you go research history, it's true. His name is Jacob, but we call him James. Um, but he had some things to say about words that are very insightful, for we stumble, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or upright or mature man, able also to bridle, everybody say bridle, or control the whole body. See, he was thinking about a horse, and he said it in the next verse. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. How many have ever ridden a horse? Raise your hand. Well, that's a big, strong animal, isn't it? He can pop you one good with those, those hoofs he's got if you're not careful and you get behind him the wrong way. There's a powerful force. Their, their muscles are strong and they ripple. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. So, so the whole idea is the horse is big. Everybody say a horse is big, see? see? But, but the little bit in his mouth just hooked to attached to a bridle and pulled on can... can Take that big, strong horse and turn him anywhere you want him to be once you learn how to use the bridle. I was riding a horse one time when I was a little boy. I got all these stories. And uh, my friend had some ponies and a horse, and I got on his horse. And um, actually, it was a big pony. This one was a big pony. I got on there, you know, and he, I had the bridle in my hand, but I, didn't, I, I hadn't figured out what to do yet, and he was about to tell me. I just got in the saddle, and whatever I did, that horse, I mean, that pony just took off. And here I go around the house. And, and guess what I had to do? I had to hug that boy because he put me right up under the clothesline. Once he did that, I got my tail off until I learned what to do with that bit in his mouth. Look also at the ships, verse 4. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds. Now, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have motors that we have today. They had uh, sails and they were sailing vessels. He said there's large ships, they're driven by strong winds. Uh, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even now, the ships that we have now, some gargantuan vessels, there's just a little rudder on the back that is controlled by the captain, and they determine the, the course of that ship. It's a very practical analogy. Then he says, verse 5, he relates that to us. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boast great things. Now, you are, you're, you are a person sitting in a physical body, and 
comparatively speaking, your tongue is small in comparison to, to uh, the various parts of your physical body, but it's stronger than any part. Now, some of you may be involved in uh, physical exercise and, you know, in all kinds of ways, muscle building and all that, but I just want you to know, I don't care how big your muscles get, you've got a muscle in your body that's bigger than any muscle you'll ever develop. It's your tongue. And it can affect you more than any muscle in your physical body. Yes or no? So he says, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles. Now, this next verse 6 is really interesting. And the tongue is a fire. Hmm. Everybody say, the tongue is a fire. You know, you put fire near any combustible material and it'll catch if it gets to the right degree. Is that true or false? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, and, and, then, and then fire can also melt certain metals if it gets to a certain temperature. So fire affects things around. The tongue is a fire. Did you know the tongue affects every part of life? And that's what he's saying. Tongue is a fire. Now, when I was a little boy, I was, oh, eight, nine years old or so. I had my friend Randy. I went to his house uh, after church one Sunday. We went to the Baptist church together. It was a cold January day. And he had some Roman candles left over from Christmas. That's what we, that's what we did in rural South Carolina. We'd set off fireworks coming into the new year. And uh, so he, had some, he said, man, let's go get the Roman candles. So we got some kitchen matches, you know, on big long sticks. And we got the Roman candles. And we went out into a brush field, first mistake. And we lit the end. Of, and we just held the thing on here. Phew, 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 phew. He goes, the little balls of fire coming out the end of that thing. Boy, we were so excited, man. We were going, ooh, that's so cool, woo. Phew, phew. And, and then it wasn't two minutes later, we heard something. And we looked in the distance where the little ball of fire landed. And, and guess what? It caught the brush on fire. <laughs> Man, we both ran over there. And we're stomping on the fire. And the more we stomped, the worse it got. I thought I was going to catch my britches on fire, my shoes on fire. We was trying to get that fire out. The more we stomped, the worse it got. And it caught the whole brush field on fire. And then it came up to a house. And it came up to the grass, which was brown at the time. It was dormant in the winter. And it came up to the grass, and then there's a and then there's a there's a tank of uh, there, there's a tank of gas right over here, a big a big tank. What do you call it? Natural gas, right here, right here. And on propane. Oh my goodness! It came right up, and I said, "Oh Jesus, help us!" I wasn't even a praying boy, but I got to praying. When you have problems, you'll get to praying. Oh Jesus! Then I looked the other side, and the grass, the brush was going right up to a. Right up to a, a pine forest. Oh, Jesus, help us. Oh, and, and we like to never got the fire out, y'all. We actually had to fire, call the fire department. Now, that taught me a big lesson, and you won't ever forget what I just said. The tongue is a fire. So, you know, your tongue can do what those little balls out of that Roman candle did. They can light, light things that you can't turn off. Huh? And that can set a course in your life that you can't undo. Did you hear what I said? The tongue is a fire. Let's think about that. A tongue is a fire. Your words are fire. What are you catching on fire with your words? What are you producing with your words? See, that's what he's asking. Tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. Now, that tells you about the fallen, the fallen world we live in, the dark world we live in. When Adam and Eve sinned, they gave, uh, they gave control of the earth temporarily to Satan 
and his emissaries, the thief, Jesus said, comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm come that you might have life. Ephesians 2 mentions the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience. Ephesians 6 mentions principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in high places. So we live, we live in a world surrounded with a canopy of darkness and that darkness moves, moves into humanity and makes us negative. And that's why he says the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. What's he saying there? Your tongue affects every part of your person, not just your physical body, but everything you are, everywhere you are, everything that touches your life touches your words. You see what he's saying? Then he says, and sets on fire the course of nature. Now that's blind and we don't understand what he's saying. I'm gonna explain it in a second. And it is set on fire by hell. He's just bringing out the fact that we're fallen people living in a fallen world and we live in a negative, we live in a negative place. The world is a negative place because of the, of the sin element that it entered when Adam and Eve sinned against God. And uh, Satan has a, a, a legal right to be here, not necessarily a moral right. He usurped God's place as far as controlling human beings for the moment. Even though God is ultimately in charge of the universe, he gave the earth for a period of time over to uh, the control of man. Let us make man in our image and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. God gave us a portion of his all authority when he created us and when Adam and Eve sinned, they gave that authority that God had given them to oversee the earth for a period of time. They gave it to God's arch enemy, Satan. He became what Paul said, the God of this world. Jesus called him the prince of this world. And... Um, and First uh, John chapter 5 mentions that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The good news is that Jesus has broken his authority over our lives. Even though we live in a fallen world, Satan can't mess with us unless we let him. And we have the name of Jesus and we've got the power of the word of God. And we have an ability to speak words that can break his control. Now I found all that right there. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and, and sets on fire the course of nature. Now, this is really interesting. Everybody say the course of nature. The Greek word for course is trachos, and it really means wheel, and there, it's a derivative of a word that means round. So, so the course, so, so the whole round of human activity I want you to get it. The whole round of human activities tied to words sets on fire the course of nature, the wheel of nature. The word nature is the, the Greek word genesis. Genesis means birth. I want you to see it. And, and, and that word, so, so the wheel of nature is talking about the constant change in human behavior, the wheel of a person's life. So you could say from the time you're born until the time that your earthly life ceases, that wheel of existence is controlled by one member. It's your tongue. Now, you ever thought about it like that? So we use words flippantly. 
We say things off the cuff that we don't mean. If you're that kind of person, Satan probably has charge of your life. And all he's got to do is let you think a thought and then you speak it out your mouth and then sometime in the future it's empowered to present and become an obstacle for you. Yes or no? So what you going to do with your words? Watch them. Control them. When I first came to Jesus, uh, my words were a mess. And uh, I I could cuss just as good as anybody else. You know, it's odd to me. See, Proverbs 15, 4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And so Satan in the dark kingdom that have a limited time of a period to be here until Jesus comes back. How many know at the second coming of Christ, Satan is dispossessed of all the authority he got from Adam. And he's got to get off the territory here and take all his demon forces with him, the Antichrist, the whole nine yards. And then Jesus comes back, sets up his millennial reign, and then we rule and reign with him for a thousand years. And then we enter into a new heavens and new earth. And all I can do when I think about that is just so glory to God, bring it on Lord. So see, we're on the winning team. But right now, while we're fighting the darkness and the hordes of darkness, we've got to be aware that our tongue, God wants to use our tongue to bring his blessing into our life. However, your tongue is tied to, from the moment you're born until you come to Jesus, your tongue is tied to the dark world. All the negativity that's around you. That's why Proverbs 18, 21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat its fruit. That is, when you learn what words can do, you'll straighten up and change what you're saying. So I just have a question. Has your life with Jesus affected your words? Has it affected how you talk about yourself? Has it affected your self-talk? I used to call myself names. You bag of dirt, you stupid idiot. Don't talk about somebody God created that way. That's wrong. You're talking, you're slurring God when you slur his creation. And you're created in Christ Jesus to good works. So whether it's self-talk or words that you use, use words in a way that they build up and help and bless and edify and strengthen and make better, but don't use words to defame and harm and hurt, right? And you know, it's amazing to me. Now, the whole world is this way. Well, that scared me to death. Well, shut up. You may have a time that that literally happened. Something happens. You get scared and fall over. Do people say those kinds of things? I about had a heart attack. Well, hush. Why do you say things like that? I'm losing my mind. Well, you know, it's okay if you get the mind of Christ. And then people in the world, you know, it's odd. See, you see the devil all over things if you just look. They damn this or that. Now, you know that's the devil. You know that's satanic, right? And then people use God's name in front of that. God's not going to do that. God's into blessing. He's not into damning. So why are people talking that way? And then people use all kind of surreless words. Have you noticed how bad cursing has become? Now, if you curse, it's because you have no, no idea of the value of your words. In fact, when you curse, you're, you literally are opening up the demonic world around your life so that they can attack you and attack your children, attack your marriage, attack your job, attack your finances, 
Yes or no? So if you got a potty mouth, get rid of it. Work on it. Jesus had to clean up my mouth. You know, two weeks into my experience with Jesus, I was working in a grocery store. And um, I've told this story so many times. But I dropped a number, a number two can as a big old can of beans, big old can, right on my left toe nail. And son, it hurt. And prior to knowing Jesus, two weeks, three weeks prior to that, I had to let something go. And man, I was in the back room. I put that thing on my toe. I dropped it. And I said a word I hadn't said since I'd been saved. And I cursed. And then I did. And then I did this. See if anybody heard me. Because I told them I just met Jesus. And they say, look here, you're a cursing Christian. And see, right then, I knew I had changed. I let, I, I, let, I let a habit come out of my mouth. And I said, God, I'm wrong. Forgive me for my habit. How many hear me? And, and I repented of it. And I hadn't said that word since I asked God. But you know what that did? It drove me to the book. It drove me to the word. It drove me to see the value of words. And I'll look at it. We'll look at it real quickly in just a minute. Um, and once I saw the value of words, it changed. And I haven't. And you just don't, it just changes who you are and how you think and how you speak. I also noticed another thing I noticed when I came to the Lord with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, I came from a Baptist church, but I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. My mother received the baptism with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues in 1975. And she was part of a Baptist church and they didn't like it. How many figured out they didn't like it? Now, if you're a Baptist, I love you. I, was, I, I appreciate Baptists. They, they preach the word. I appreciate that, but they don't believe in baptism with the Holy Spirit. But my mother received that experience, changed her life. And I noticed after I received that experience, first thing I noticed after I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of my tongue. Now, why do you think with a baptism with the Holy Spirit you can pray in that heavenly language? If he gets a hold of your tree of life and taps it right, it'll change who you are. And I spend time every day praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in other tongues. Now, that may shock you, but I've been doing that for 46 years. I want you to know when he got a hold of my tongue, it changed how I live my life. If God can get a hold of your words, how many know it can challenge you and change you? Hebrews chapter 3, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Everybody say confession. Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to see something here. Uh, confessing God's word. I want to talk about the value of confession. This is not the confession to a priest if you're, if you're in, a, in the Catholic church. No, this is confession of of, this is confession of who you are. It's saying what God says about you. Now, I want you to notice again, in Jesus' name, stop. My notes are moving without me touching them. Hebrews 3, 1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. Jesus is the representative of our confession. The word confession is a really interesting word. It's a, it's a compound word in the Greek language, homo legeo, homo. Homo means same. So, you know, when I was a little boy, we, they actually brought milk to my house in, in a bottle, and there was cream on the top. Anybody old enough to remember that? Date you, no. 
And then they started, they started putting milk in the grocery store and, and they, say, they would advertise that, well, this is homogenized. They take that cream and stir it all into the milk. All the milk fat gets stirred into the milk. Homogenization, right? So homo means the same. Put it all the same into it. You know, I could use, uh, you could go and study that word a while. Homo means same. And then logos means word. Homo legeo means to mouth or speak or say the same thing. I want you to get it. Therefore, holy brethren, partaker of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Now, you know what that verse is saying? When you say what God says about you, Jesus agrees with you. And when Jesus agrees with you, it comes to pass. Jesus represents you before God the Father. And when your words agree with his words about what he said about you, <laughs> he'll say, Father, see that person right there? They believe what you're saying. I'm saying what they're saying. Bring that to pass. Now, here's what you'll notice in life. Thoughts come. You can't keep thoughts from coming into your mind. Uh, Martin Luther, I, I, I looked up the origin of this, for this quote. And I think it's Martin Luther. He said, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest in your hair. He would have a hard time with mine, wouldn't he? So what's he saying? You can't keep thoughts from coming into your mind, but you don't have to let them remain. It's not a sin for a thought to come into your mind unless you cogitate it. Right? So every, because we live in a fallen world, you'll have thoughts that come that your heart resents. Is that true? I mean, negative thoughts, aberrant thoughts, things that you don't normally think about. Have you had those come into your mind this last week? If you're honest, raise your hand. Everybody, every day, have all kinds of thoughts. Well, pass up the opportunity to say what you're thinking if it doesn't line up with what God says about you. Do you hear what I'm saying? I learned this as a young boy. I was 18 when I came to Jesus, and when I started, when I saw the power of words, I'd hear stuff like, you're going to go back into sin. You ain't worth a crap. See, that come into my mind. I say, huh, I am worth something. I'm created in Christ Jesus under good works. I noticed every time the devil punched me, he's punching you like, say it, say it. And then I hear words like, you're going to go broke and never recover and be out on the street. And when he said it, here's what I started doing. He's, it's like he's punching you. You'll go broken. You'll never have anything. I just started saying what God said. He punches me. I say, but my God shall supply all my need. And it's like those devils say, well, well, that's not what I said. I'd say the opposite of what he said to me. Well, you're getting the, you're getting the cold. You're getting the flu. You're getting the Rona. What you going to do? You hear people say, well, <clears throat> I'm coming down with something. I'm, I'm catching something. Well, let the thing go. Don't catch it. Let it go. Well, my back's, flare, my back's flaring up again. My knee's flaring up again. I believe I'm losing my mind. Shut your mouth. Is that agreeing with your high priest? Jesus said you had the mind of Christ. Jesus said he took your infirmities, bear your sicknesses. Jesus said whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. 
So I've learned that every time the enemy says something in my head, I just say the opposite. And they figured out real quick, you know, those devils and demons that work with the devil, he doesn't usually visit most people like you and me because you, you know, you don't, you're not as influential. He wants to get to the hierarchy. He wants to get to the, the people that control others with their, their, with, with their authority. You hear what I'm saying? But the little demon spirits, they'll figure out real quickly. If you, every time they hit you with a thought in your mind, you say the opposite of what they're saying. I'm going, you're going broke. <laughs> my God is meeting every need of mine. I got more money than I know what to do with. I got enough to meet my needs and enough to give away, enough to pay off Victory Church's building. Glory to God. And you just start talking that way, they'll figure out. A devil will say, well, let's go mess with him. And the other one will say, no, no, I tried it. It don't work. You hear what I'm saying? Words, words. What are you doing with your words? Jesus is the high priest of your confession. What are you giving him to represent before God with? What words? You know, Jesus can keep his mouth shut if you're talking doubt and unbelief. You're giving him nothing to represent. But if you're saying what God says, he's representing you. Father, I like that. <laughs> I like Ned's. <laughs> you hear me? I like Joshua. Or just call me, put your name in there. I like that person. They're saying what I say. He's the high priest. A high priest represents before God. So what are you giving him to represent? You get that? I went through, I told you last week, I went through the book of Proverbs and they're, they're in my notes and I don't think I'm gonna take the time to read all of them, but I, I just underlined mouth, words, speech, lips. Uh, I've got a few of them here in the notes. I just had to understand the value of words. I did this in October of 1976 on a Sunday afternoon. I got my Bible out. And I laid it down on the, on the dining room table in my parents' home where I lived. And I got a marker out. And I started with Proverbs 1 and went all the way through Proverbs 31. And any verse that had anything to do with words, speech, I, I highlighted it in yellow. And I did for years, and I still have that Bible in my possession. I would every once in a while, regularly, several times a week, take that Bible, go to the book of Proverbs, and just turn the pages and look for the yellow under yellow highlights. Because, and, and that's what God used to change me from negative to positive with my speech. You will never, you will never progress in God until He gets a hold of your tongue. You hear me? You'll never overcome the challenges you face until you talk about yourself the way God does. Do you hear me? Hmm. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You're, you're taken captive by the words of your mouth. Proverbs 6, 2. Proverbs 8, 7. My mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. See, Satan wants to pollute your well. Get it? Proverbs 12, 13, the wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. Why? Because he says what he believes from his heart about what God says about him. Proverbs 12, 14, a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. 
Uh, the one, the Proverbs 12, 18, there is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Fear causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. You want to get over that emotional angst that you feel every day? Start saying what God says about you. I had a melancholy part of me most of my life until I made Jesus Lord. And it hung on to me and hung on to me. And, you know, I tried to smile when I was around other people. When I get off by myself, uh, I, I, I was just grumpy. And, and I was just forlorn. And I, I was just, you know, oppressed. And, you know, when I started saying what God said about me when it didn't seem real, when it didn't feel real, I started saying it anyway. Jesus changed my life. And he'll do the same thing for you. How many hear me? Proverbs 13, 3, where am I? Let's see, yeah. Uh, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips will have destruction. Anyway, on and on and on and on and on. I got a bunch of scripture there. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5 says, do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Huh. For a dream comes through much activity and a fool's voice is known by as many words. See, a person that talks without thinking has no, doesn't value words, right? It's one thing to talk and you got something in your words. But if your words are empty, why are you saying them? We'll be judged for every idle word Jesus said in Matthew 12, right? Then I want to end with this, and um, uh, this is not in my notes online, but you can turn to it in your Bible. This is a real, uh, a real stern lesson on the value of words and what they produce in human life. Numbers 13. Numbers 13, God had promised uh, the land of Canaan to the Israelites, and they had and they had wandered for many years in the wilderness since they had been set free from, uh, from Egypt. And, uh, uh, well, and in fact, they had just been set free and they were on the way. And then Moses said, I want you to go spy out the land. He got 12 of the guys. said, I want you to go check out what, what, the, what the land looks like and see what it's like. Verse 25, Numbers 13. They returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at, at Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, when we went to the land where you sent us, it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who uh, dwell in the land are not strong, are strong. Let me see where I'm at. Something's going on with my notes. Something's putting words in my notes. I'm not making this up, but you know, you're going to stop in Jesus' name. Nevertheless, the people who dwell there are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Here's a guy who understood the value of words. And here's a guy who had the word of God in him. Caleb quieted the people and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Instead of looking at the obstacles, he looked at God. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad or evil report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies in the land 
is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great statue. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants and they really were of huge stature. I don't have time to talk about it today. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. Ten guys said, we can't go. These dudes are too big, too strong. They had grapes. They had to, they had to take a cluster of grapes, put it on a pole, and hang it between two guys. It was so big, big. It was a land of milk. It was a land of honey. It was a land of plenty. Instead of looking at the plenty and what God had provided for them, they looked at the obstacle and the problems, and they talked about their problems. Only two out of ten. Only two out of ten. Only two out of ten saw what God saw, which is his ability overcoming the giants. And you know it's the same today. You got a big crowd of people. If you follow in the crowd, you follow in the wrong people, my friend. Just want you to see Numbers 14 reveals what happened with the words of these guys. Ten of them gave a bad report. We can't, we can't. They're too big, big, we can't. We're like grasshoppers, they're big. We're small, they're big, we're small, they're big, we're small. We can't, we can't. Only two people said, we can, God's bigger than them. Verse 14, uh, numbers uh, 14, verse 20, then the Lord said, everybody okay? About done. Then the Lord said, I've pardoned according to your word, but as truly as I live, because God was ready to get, uh, just wipe these people out because they were so much unbelief. And Moses interceded and said, Lord, just forgive him. And he said, I've pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who had seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these 10 times and have not heeded my voice. Do you know every voice that disagreed with God with what God wanted to do tested God? I wonder if my words ever test God. Your words ever test God? When you say anything other than what God's word says about you, it's testing God. And have put me to the test now these 10 times. Each one of those guys put God to the test. And have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. And then skip a few verses, verse 27. How long shall I bear with his evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live... Uh, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me will fall in the wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of uh, Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore uh, to make, uh, I would make you dwell in. And it did happen just the way God said. All of them got what they said. So what you've been saying, what you've been talking about, because you're going to have what you're talking about, what you really believe will happen, it's coming out your mouth. So how many know, my encouragement, watch your words. Now you can hear me on Sunday mornings and that means absolutely zero. I can preach my strongest sermon and that means nothing unless we put it into practice. How many would be willing this week to start changing your words? Now, I've given you something that's free. It's in the notes. I've got, somebody gave me years ago, gave me a whole page, I mean, pages and pages and pages of confessions. I went through them and just kind of doctored them up a little bit. But they're confessions in every vein of life. 
They're in the notes. And I want to encourage you to grab them and say them out loud. Every day of my life, I say what God says about me. Every day, and I've been doing this for 40, almost 46 years. I told you last week, when I first started, it didn't seem like it was working. God didn't seem to be real. God's love didn't seem to be real. His care didn't seem to be real. My circumstances seemed stronger than what God said about me. But something happened. It reached a pivot point uh, into my journey in God. I just kept saying what God said about me. And I can stand before God the Father, Jesus his Son, the angels of heaven, and you, and tell you that what God says is real today. And that everything that God has said is absolutely true. And if you'll hang on to his word when, they're tough, when the life is tough and things don't seem right, God's word will come for you in the end. God will come for his word. Jesus is the high priest of your confession. He will say what you say if it lines up with the word. Your tongue, that thing underneath your nose and above your chin, chin it is controlling the wheel of activity from the time you're born until the time you die. What are you going to do with the powerful ability to speak that God has given you? Kick the enemy out of your tree of life and let God do something in your life in an amazing way. How many hear me? We're going into the future. Listen, we're going into the future. Jesus is coming back and the world's going to hell in the handbasket. Jesus is coming back to make it right. And in the middle of all that, God wants to bless your life. But you got to give him your tongue. You got to give him the mouth. How many would make a commitment today? I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something with my words. I'm going to change the activity of my lips. How many would make the commitment right now? We're going we're gonna to pray in just a second. All right, what about the rest of you? I ain't going to do nothing. Well, you know, have nothing then. Just have nothing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, thank you for your word, your promises, your spirit. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for Jesus, the living word of God. Thank you. He is the Logos. He is the sum total of all that you are. And we just want to say thank you. Lord, there may be a person in this room or watching today and they don't know you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, you said all that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But perhaps there's a person in here that is not born again, has not made Jesus Lord. Lord, I ask that you would speak to their hearts. Help them to know there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun that is very, very real. Help them to know that there's a life beyond this one, and this life is a preparation for the one beyond this one, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit on any person that in this room or watching that is not walking with Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. No man can come to the Father, Jesus said, except through me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, either in the room or online, and ask for the conviction. Let it abide and remain and stay on them until they make the choice to make Jesus Lord. May the Holy Spirit dog each person's tracks. In Jesus' name.